Hello and welcome to this Sustainable Wine podcast. This is a recording of a conference session that took place on the 2nd or 3rd of June 2021 as part of Sustainable Wine's Future of Wine Americas Conference 2021. We'd very much like to thank the sponsors of that conference, BSI, Bodega Argento, Jackson Family Wines, International Wineries for Climate Action and Avenea. Thank you to all of those groups for their important support and I hope you enjoy the session. Katie. Hi, I'm uh, Katie Jackson. I'm a second generation um, family owner of Jackson Family Wines um, and I work on um, as the SVP of corporate social responsibility um, and in that role um, I'm responsible for implementing our sustainability and climate action initiatives um, and um, also um, working with philanthropy um, and very happy to be here to have this conversation today. Thank you. Beth. Uh, I'm Beth Novak Milliken from Spotswood uh, Estate Vineyard and Winery here in St. Helena in Napa Valley. Uh, my family has owned this property since 1972, um, and we started our winery uh, in 1982. And we began farming organically in 1985, so sustainability and caring for our land and everything that we do is, is a part of our core, and I'm very glad to be part of this conversation. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh, last but by no means least, Peter, nice to see you again, and welcome. Yeah, good morning. <clears throat> Thank you for having me on. I'm Peter Work here from uh, Empelos Vineyard, Empelos Cellars in beautiful Santa Rita Hills, Santa Barbara County. Uh, I'm a farmer. I'm a winemaker. We have just a small production, me and my wife, but uh, we've been getting into the sustainability program since 2003, early on, and uh, are proud to be the uh, what we claim is the first vineyard in the United States to be organic, biodynamic, and sustainable certified. I'm uh, quite a bit involved in the program where I, a few months ago, took over as the chairman of the board of the CSWA, the California Sustainable Wine Growing Alliance program. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much, Peter. So, uh, David, let me start with you. Um, you get the advantage of going first. Uh, give us your opening thoughts on how do we, uh, as, as leaders, uh, as leading executives or leading businesses, how do we turn uh, sustainability into opportunity. This is designed to be quite a broad session. We'll, we'll have some questions from the audience as well in the chat function. We'll get much more specific later on. So, David, uh, welcome and, and over to you for some opening thoughts. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, I think my thoughts are really around leadership. Um, and I think the world has been changing very rapidly for all of us. Um, and being that, that change has been accelerated um, by COVID, by social justice movements by climate change. And all three of these uh, phenomenon really came to a head last summer, the summer of 2020. I think we were all stuck at home with COVID. Uh, there were massive protests in the streets here in the US and around the world. And here in California, beginning in August, we suffered through really a horrendous wildfire season. And as a leader, uh, these phenomena could not be ignored, really. And I'm sure everyone on this panel, as leaders, has taken specific action against all three of these uh, these things, these phenomenon. You know, with COVID, we learned to work from home, and now we're beginning to implement for our office staff a hybrid environment. Um, so, really, a lot of change around that with the social justice movement. You know, we made contributions to relevant institutions. And we formed a diversity committee comprised of rank and file employees to advise the executive and to, and to drive change within the winery. And with the wildfires and climate change, I think that the summer 
last summer was a point of no return, really. And as a winery in California, it was no longer possible to simply pay a lip service to climate change. Um, we are, have all suffered through a multi-year drought um, and wild, wildfires have literally come knocking on almost all of our doors. So I think this was a moment that really required leadership by all of us. And we needed to take real concrete steps to reduce our own carbon emissions and set an example for others. Um, because in reality, our livelihood depended on it. You know, the earth depends on it. And really our children's futures really is sitting in the balance and depends on our action and leadership in this area. So we're here, us at Ridge, you know, we've been leaders on many fronts over the years on sustainability. Uh, our first certification came from Fish Friendly Farming back in 2003. Uh, we started using beneficial insects back in 1995. Uh, on the organic farming front, we began a, 12 years ago. Now we have over 350 acres certified uh, sustainable excuse me, certified organic. We're the largest grower of organic grapes in the Santa Cruz Mountains and in Sonoma County now. And we've led on transparency with uh, nearly a decade ago, beginning to include ingredients on our back labels and detailing all of the additives and processes used in the making of that particular wine. Um, and when it comes to carbon reduction, I think we, we've been doing a lot of things that have been positive in this area, but it's not really been concerted. And I think a number of people on this panel I can learn a lot from, but we are really moving forward really quickly on this. And we are really within about 60 days away from having um, a, an audited um, uh, carbon footprint for our, for our winery and establishing uh, an audited baseline for our winery so that we can move forward, you know, in line with, uh, the 2050 initiative net zero or probably more likely even more aggressive targets. So I think we're trying to, to, to lead in this issue in terms of not just paying lip service to, to carbon emissions, but really doing a very real audited uh, approach to this. So that's something that uh, I think is important for our consumers to know. And I think in terms of leadership, the most important audience I've had around this is really our employees because they're the ones that are going to have to do the hard work around this in terms of first the, the, the audit and, and, and sort of establishing our baseline, but then the work moving forward in terms of positive changes at the winery to continue to reduce our carbon emissions. And really, I think we feel like if we do the right thing, our, our partners and our consumers will come with us. And, uh, and it's really not a, a marketing thing for us. I think it's really just about doing the right thing. And I think for most of the things we've done over the years, it's either been about trying to make a better environment for our employees, a better environment um, for our families, uh, and make better quality wine. And if, if we really focus on those things and not really worry about the marketing aspect, I think we, we can all come out in the end on that. So I think that's what our, our leadership on this issue is really framed around. Thank you, David. I want to ask you a bit later about um, the response to your um, your leadership 10 years ago in, in or so in putting more ingredients on the back of the bottle. I always found that fascinating. So let's let's park that for a minute and come back to it. I'd like to hear more about that. Eduardo, um, so what does all this mean to you? Uh, thank you, Tom. Well, uh, I'm okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, in our case, uh, we started when we started some 40 years ago and we started developing our exports to the world, uh, we realized that sustainability was key. And I think 
the first thing has been to lead by example at a winery. So over the years we have, uh, we started with organic program with a, at Caliterra that was certified. Later we had, well, most of our vineyards under sustainable farming, but perhaps the, uh, we also turned one of our properties, the Senia State, into biodynamic farming. We work consistently with Alan York. He came to Chile many times for consultant. And I think the biodynamic vineyard philosophy is something that we, we were very, we had to learn a lot, but really allow us to, to keep our vineyards in the most, uh, I mean, in the, in the healthier way. Also in the winery, we have uh, the, the new wineries we have built. We have had always uh, gravity, solar panels or biothermal energies used into it so as to be fully sustainable. Um, and so I think they are an example of a fully sustainable winery. But beyond what we have done, uh, which is absolutely important, I think you also asked about how can we inspire others. Uh, or, and in our case in Chile, in, back in 2005, we also worked together with Wines of Chile and we started to create a, a national code, a country code. Today we have a sustainable code that embarks all the work in the vineyard in the winery and in the community, in the social areas. And there's a fourth pillar also about uh, BT, about tourism, about BTV, the sort of tourism coming along to Chile as the fourth pillar. And we've been working in this code. And I think the whole country has embraced the sustainability mentality in a very solid way. Today, more than 80% of our export production to the world is uh, is done under the sustainable code and uh, which is really I mean in Chile we have wonderful healthy conditions we want sustainability to be a pillar and it's happening that that's a good the post, very positive thing that now it's an industry mentality this is totally uh, voluntary but 80% of the total one industry is really into this program so this is very very positive also as a country our country has absolutely has a, a program uh, to turn to be to make Chile an example in sustainability. There is a commitment to reduce by half the the coal emissions by 2030, and there is a full commitment to, of course, to the Paris uh, Agreement, but also to be carbon neutral by 2050. So I think Chile is on the right track. We have many challenges. Climate changes are are very significant. Water use, it's key in Chile, uh, as the destiny is coming down from the north to the Central Valley. So the water uh, challenge is a key one. But I think the main pillars of sustainability are work in progress, but they are being taken care. Thank you. Eduardo, a quick Thank question. You. Quick question. Wine seems to be one of the few, one of the only products I've ever come across in the world where there seems to be this national approach to making an industry sustainable on a national sense and a great deal of pride taken in that. What is the opportunity for Chile to, for the Chilean wine industry to really raise the levels of interest in sustainability and create that kind of national pride around your performance, which could lead into other areas? Because that seems like a, a really important opportunity outside of the vineyards and wineries to influence the rest of the society. How, how can more of that happen? Um, from, from your industry? Well, I fully agree with you. Chile has taken, wants to take a lead in the sustainability matters and the wine industry has a 
great visibility, but it's not really, but, but the, table, the table fruit exports are much bigger, salmon industry, the forestry. So there are many other agro in industries related that are embracing sustainability. Uh, just to give you a number, one industry only represents two, 3% of total Chilean exports, but it has this visibility. And I think the having a strong code, a code that is already being recognized by, by many countries, by the monopolies in, in, in uh, Scandinavia or by the monopolies, the wine monopolies in Canada. But I think we, we need to go beyond that. We, and I think um, working consistently on a code and expanding this code to other areas of the industry or of the, of the country, like as I said, the other agro-industrial exports is something that is work in progress. Thank you. Let's come back to that. Katie, turning to you from, from Jackson Family Wines. Jackson Family's obviously taken a, a leading position along with many others. You've helped with a form IWCA and done a lot of initiatives here. So, so what is what is all this leadership responsibility feel like to you? And, and how do we tackle that, that opportunity angle? Because that's really where we get people excited, isn't it? Katie. Um, absolutely. Yes. Uh, so, so at Jackson Family Wines, we've been um, thinking about sustainability as something that um, is necessary for us um, to address uh, for our own um, resiliency and also um, just for the resiliency of the planet. Um, and so we've been um, thinking about this um, since 2008 when we put together a really comprehensive sustainability program and started baselining our water usage and our energy usage and our greenhouse gas emissions. Um, but um, as, as David mentioned um, a little while ago, I think um, this has all become much more real to us um, since about 2015 when we've um, started to really experience these mega fires here in California. Um, and it's really driven home um, to me and the rest of my family um, and all of the people who, who work with us at Jackson Family Wines, um, the importance of taking a leadership um, position on climate um, and really reducing our carbon emissions um, as a company. Um, but also we feel like it's very important um, for the wine industry to band together um, and collaborate on this issue because it's bigger than all of us. And um, it's going to take a lot of um, hard work from the entire industry to really um, successfully address it. Um, uh, that being said, sustainability is more than um, climate action to us. Um, since 2008, um, we've taken a very holistic approach to our entire company. So we've looked at um, not only our vineyards and our wineries, um, but also transportation and other operations. Um, we've had about 100% um, of our, our wineries um, and 100% of our estate vineyards um, sustainably certified since um, the late 2000s. And um, we're continuing to look at how we can drive down our water usage per bottle um, of wine that we make. Um, and we now are using 43% less water um, than we did um, a decade ago um, when we make our wines. Um, and um, obviously, as we um, look at uh, this continuing historic drought um, here in California, that um, as well is going to continue to be a big issue um, and a climate change driven issue um, that we will need to think about and address. Um, and um, we know that sustainability and climate action is something that um, we can't tackle without the help of our entire employee base. Um, what we found at Jackson Family Wines is that um, if we can set goals for ourselves and really 
um, have these ambitious targets, we inspire our entire employees, um, all of them to come together and innovate um, as a team. And so um, that's really driven a lot of our success. Um, and then we're also um, looking to organizations like International Wineries for Climate Action um, and being able to collaborate with other wineries um, like Spotswood uh, and, and others um, around the world um, to help us learn more about um, how we can take successful action and really mitigate against climate change. So, Thanks. Well, you're doing a huge amount of work, clearly. But if I'm one of your customers and I go and pick up a bottle of your wine, it's hard for me to know about all of that. And clearly, that's the big opportunity, isn't it? I mean, no other product has that much space to talk to consumers. <laughs> um, but it, it's not easy, is it? I mean, where do you think um, the opportunities are there in the next year or two? I think that, uh, so we've been trying to educate our consumers for a while now, and it's true, sustainability as a, a concept is very complicated, especially when it encompasses um, all of the things that we all are doing. Um, but I see a real opportunity in um, logos, certification logos. Um, I think it really um, helps drive credibility, and um, there are some great programs um, that um, many of us are currently involved in, um, like CSWA, that has um, currently allow for a logo on the label. Um, moving forward, I, I could see um, ways for um, IWCA um, or other organizations that are taking climate action to have a logo as well um, that really um, shows exactly what uh, the carbon emissions reductions are that um, specific wineries have taken um, that make it really concrete and tangible for consumers as well. Thank you. Well, we'll come back to the consumer point. There's, a, there's an entire conference there about a week long just on the consumer <laughs> side. Um, one thing I have seen recently, which is interesting to note, is that um, Dole Foods, the banana company, started putting QR codes on their bananas about 10, 12 years ago, and they've evolved the approach. And I, I recently spoke to them about it. And I'll be doing a podcast with them. And they've had millions and millions of people pick up a bunch of bananas, scan a QR code, and have a virtual reality tour around a Colombian organic banana farm. And if if the banana industry can do that, then the wine industry can do it. Because if you think you guys think you got you, if you guys think you've got tough margins, you try being in the banana industry where half the companies go bust every five years. So um, that's a really interesting example of where a low margin industry can engage consumers on what on what a, a farm looks like and where the products come from. And we're hoping to highlight more and more of those kinds of uh, technological. Um, opportunities in the future. Beth, uh, I know you do um, quite a lot of work with customers, so I'm sure you have some views on this and love to hear your views on the topic more generally. Great, thank you. Yeah, and, and I appreciate all the all the comments made so far. Uh, I'm, I'm also learning, so I, I really do enjoy being a part of this. Thank you. You know, for, for us in terms of leadership and, and where we are and why we care so deeply, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, we did start farming organically in 1985. We've been certified since 92. We were we're biodynamic, we have all solar power, we've been part of 1% for the planet uh, since 2007, where we give 1% of our gross revenue annually at a minimum uh, to environmental organizations. Um, we also just got B Corp certification. So we are, we're the first in Napa Valley as a, as a winery to have gotten that. And that speaks to social and environmental uh, justice. And, and for us, it's all about taking care of the whole, that holistic approach. So for you know, why, why is it important for us to lead? I mean, it's really interesting. I'm, I'm second generation here at Spotswood. Uh, so we're, we're relatively 
I'm relatively young, but my ambition is to is to have this be a multi generational family business. And you know, even up to four or five years ago, we've done a lot of estate planning. My my mother passed away in 2016, but based upon all the estate planning we did, I'm I'm one of five children, and, and I'm able to drive this business forward. I was thinking always, wow, it's going to be estate planning that's going to be the most difficult part of, of carrying Spotswood forward as a, as a family, small family-owned uh, business. And now I realize actually estate planning is complicated, but you sort of know you can you can put the pieces together. But um, climate change, I view, as our, as our absolute biggest threat because as things have gotten hotter and drier uh, here in California, and, you know, you really look at it and think, well, I mean, we have a single vineyard right now in, in Santa Lena in Napa Valley. And at one point in time, well, that was fine. And now you think we can't have all of our eggs in this one Santa Lena Napa Valley basket. You know, we need to we need to be a little bit more geographically um, uh, diverse and, and have have different things happening. So it's, it's a fascinating time. And, you know, I, I guess I view this as an opportunity. You spoke uh, earlier, Toby, that we're not cynical in this industry. And, and that is true because we're an agriculturally based business. And, and so for us to be able to continue to operate our businesses, we have to care about the planet. So, I mean, I'm a deep environmentalist, you know, tried and true anyway. Um, I love the outdoors and, and I love this state. I'm born and raised here. And, you know, I feel, I feel deeply and I care about it. We have a moral obligation and a responsibility to really do something about it. And I think the opportunity that we have in this industry to lead and to share what we do with others is, is great, as, as you were just speaking to. And, you know, we don't have a QR code, but we do an annual newsletter and, and we speak about our environmental initiatives and everything we're doing. And we really do it in a way to try to bring people along and to inspire change. Our, our core purpose actually speaks exactly to what we do. And it's, it's very tight, but it just is grounded in stewardship. We believe in affecting meaningful change through nurturing our vineyards, community and planet. And that really drives everything that we do. And everybody here at Spotswood, all of my coworkers are on board. Um, we all firmly believe that, that this is the right thing to do. And we've looked at everything. I mean, water use, again, we have all solar power. Uh, we're just, we have biodiversity in our vineyards because we've had insectaries in our vineyards since, since the mid to late 80s. So bird boxes, everything that I think all of, all of my, everybody else here is doing just recognizing how deeply important this is and, and the fact that we have a true opportunity to lead by example and to inspire change and our, our futures depend on it. And, and we have a planet that is, and a, and a people that are, are worth protecting. So we're, we're deeply engaged in this. Thank you. And where does this go now? I mean, let's say, you know, organizations like yours are doing about as much as they can. There's obviously more to do, but, you know, it sounds to me like a lot of you, you kind of got your bases covered, but there's at home and they say charity begins at home, but then um, you can't really change the world. Just, uh, you know, having islands of excellence in, in, uh, in, in one particular area. So what is the opportunity for kind of banding together and creating more of a unified approach to, to, to drive change and to, and to really leverage your position uh, in, in, in consumers' minds? So for, if that's a question to me, I mean, I would say what I'm so appreciative to, to Katie and her family and the Torres family for is uh, the formation and creation of IWCA, the International Wineries for Climate Action. That gives a winery like Spotswood um, the opportunity to 
be a part of something bigger and to bring others in. We've had our emissions measured now in 18 and 19. We've helped, we're part of building a, a GHG calculator so that more people can get that done. We're doing that with Jackson Family and Silver Oak. And so not only can we measure our own and really start to determine what more we can do, and we're a relatively small GHG emissions producer, but we still produce you know, emissions, but not so looking at what we can do, but being part of something where, where we can get the word out and bring others on. I mean, there's such passion around IWCA. There's just a great a group that, that with Katie and her team uh, and who she works with and also Yosef and the whole group out of, out of Spain uh, and Julian here and, and Aaron and, you know, just, and Alex, I mean, she's great. So there's just a great group. And so it's really exciting to know that this forum has been created that we can all be a part of and, and, and make a change. And it, it will take all of us banding together. And, and that opportunity is, is huge and something that I value. And, you know, we have a decade to do this. We need to start right now. And if we have not curbed our emissions significantly by 2030, our, our hope of even keeping a 1.5 degrees Celsius change is almost zero. So this is the most important decade of all of our lives. And we need to act right now. And we have the opportunity to do that. And I intend to be an important part of it. Thank you. Thank you. Peter, you've been listening patiently to all of this. Uh, very curious to hear your views. I mean, you, as a small producer, you've already done a lot to sort of spread the word through your involvement with industry associations and so on. Now, where does that go next? And love to hear your views on the topic in general. Peter. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you again for having me on this. Um, as I was preparing for this, I was thinking about what are some of the main things we need to focus on as leaders. We have some great sustainable programs in place today, and they're really well organized and put together very all-encompassing. So it's not just about soil and plants, it's about people, it's about energy, economy, social responsibility. And now it's in place, what we got to do is we got to make sure that all the vineyards that we have here in the United States and United, uh, around the world will join these programs. And also make sure all the wineries are joining them, make sure that we can get the wines certified, get the logos on and really unite things together. Uh, it's also very important we participate actively in these programs and we improve them because they're not static. We learn all the time about how we can do the sustainability better and we need to improve that. Now, the next thing is that about uh, the whole value chain. So a good friend of mine from my home country, Denmark, Thomas Hartung, who runs a big CSW um, or um, CSA program in the world with over 50,000 families that get boxes every week. He was telling me this years ago, what's important is it's not just about educating the farmers about being sustainable and do things right. It's about thinking all the way through the value chain. So uh, as we take the wines and move it down the chain, we got distributors. We got to make sure that the people that works for the distributors that are out in the streets selling the wines, they understand the importance of sustainability. We got to make sure the wine buyers out there like the, whether it's the sommeliers or the wine directors, they understand the importance of this. We've got to make sure the media understands this. And of course, most important, actually, the end consumers. So this is a big education, ongoing education process where we have to think it totally through. We also have to think outside the box and learn from smart um, organizations and smart segments out there. So look at Silicon Valley, look at the innovators, 
and movers in other industries and see how can we learn from them? How can we be creative in marketing? How can we you know, push more for getting people educated about carbon footprints? And you know, talking about another thing, ingredient listing, David, uh, we learned from you what you did at, at Reards and you know, what Randall Graham has done with ingredient listing. We got, maybe we're gonna put QR code, uh, codes on like the banana guys do. So we gotta be creative. We gotta have obsession with the customers and being customer centric. That's what they're good at in Silicon Valley. We gotta be as digital and as social media focused as possible. That is the key today to be successful. Data mining and work with data, work on determining what are the metrics, digital KPIs. We have so much data available, we gotta get good at using it, learning from it. Nail it and scale it, that's another thing from Silicon Valley, but we gotta look at these other industries. All of us leaders have to be ready to do what we're doing right now, and Toby, thanks for doing this, is to get up on the soapbox and show that we are leaders of change that the thing is, we have a great audience here. We're not selling potatoes. We're selling a sophisticated product. It's wines. Everybody loves wines. We have a great audience and they want to listen to us talk about sustainability. Uh, we got to include the message in all our marketing material, labels and whatever we have and constantly push for the sustainability way of thinking. The, the consumers that we have out here, they want to hear this message. They are ready to listen, especially with the younger generation that I'll talk a little bit about here at the end. It's not an uphill battle, it's an easy sell. People wanna hear this story. Uh, branding is really important for us. We have great lead with the CSWA program, SIP, Luodai rules, and, and all these programs, and it's well put together, but we, keep our, we have to keep on focusing on doing a great branding of these and support the programs as much as we can. We got to, Katie was talking about, we got to communicate it to our team on an ongoing basis, how important it is, educate everybody about organic, biodynamic, sustainable, et cetera. These are all great programs and we are the leaders, but we got to make sure we work together. And I think what's important is that we don't create internal wars. It is not about which program is a better. They all go together hand in hand. Now it's RSC, regenerative, whatever it is, great, great programs. Let's work on them together and really uh, push them forward. And then finally, we've got to understand what's important for the different generations. Yes, we have the baby boomers with you know, the gray hair, but the Gen X is you know, important. But we've got the millennials, we've got the Gen Zers that are coming up. And we cannot just say, let's build it and they shall come. We've got to understand what these younger generations are looking for. Whenever I go to New York, I always do a wine bar hopping to find out what's moving and shaking in New, in New York to really understand what it is that's coming. So at the end, I just want to say, we have to focus on topsoil. Topsoil is so darn important, and that is why sustainability is a great way of focusing on that. Uh, David Montgomery is probably one of the best people that has made my my mindset open to the importance of the topsoil. So let's take good care of Mother Earth and do it together. Thanks very much, Peter. Yeah, the David Montgomery book is fantastic, isn't it? Because he's so optimistic about the recovery opportunities with topsoil. And so often what you hear about topsoil is kind of uh, incredibly depressing and quite apocalyptic. <laughs> uh, and he actually shows in his book, his most recent book, how 
farmers can recover topsoil very quickly, which is exactly what we need to do is, is to have that opportunity. Peter, um, do you get frustrated with the proliferation of labels and proliferation of types of sustainable wine out there? I mean, organic seems to be the one that's most widely recognised, but there's also a frustration there in some quarters that organic is a bit limited by its own, its own kind of structures and strictures. So how do you see that evolving? Well, yes, I definitely get frustrated with these different programs um, all the time. And I think that at the end of the day, we've got to focus on what is important. The important thing is the end consumers. We've got to make sure we're not confusing the end consumers by having newer newer programs all the time, by having different logos. And we also have all these restrictions about what we can do, what cannot do. Think about the differences between uh, organic like USDA or CCOF here in the United States and BRN in Europe, I mean, these are inconsistent programs. I mean, we can, we can use organic, we can use biodynamic, we have all these restrictions. It works different around the world. And that, yes, it is very frustrating. It'll be awesome if we have some kind of a global organization where we all unite together, we all agree on this is how we can brand it, this is how we can label it, these are the words we can use on our label marketing material, because that way, we can make it simpler for the end consumers so they really understand when they buy a bottle of wine, there's this logo on it, they know exactly what that means. Yeah, that would be the holy grail, wouldn't it? I mean, lots of other industries have been trying to do that for a very long time, of course, and, and it is challenging, but technology gives us enormous opportunities. David, uh, as a pioneer at Ridge in transparency, I was going to ask you how your customers have responded and how the conversations changed since you kind of forced transparency upon them. But uh, I'd love to hear about that. And also if you have anything to, to add to Peter's point. Yeah, well, let me pick up on Peter's point first. Um, and I think that the, the wine industry is sort of a, a victim of, its, of, of the character of its own product. I think consumers think that wine is a natural product automatically. They don't they don't think that it needs to be organic or sustainable. They many consumers just think that it is already a natural product. And you know, for us, we are now you know you know over ninety five percent of our estate vineyards are, are farmed organically, but virtually none of our outside growers are farmed organically. Uh, and you know, it, I think it needs to be a consumer movement. I need to be able to go to my grower and say, I can't buy your grapes unless you or farming them organically because my consumers are demanding it. And until I can get to that point, it's really hard to have enough leverage over that grower to make them go through that process of organic certification. And we, we need to have a consumer awakening around this to make that happen, I think. And right now I think we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot as an industry because we have too many definitions out there between biodynamic, organic, sustainable, um, and, and there's more out there, natural, you know, whatever. So I don't think we're educating the consumer as much as confusing them right now. And I think as an industry, if we can get away from confusing and get to educating and, and, and then have that consumer awakening, I think that's, that's, that's the answer. It's not an easy answer, but I, I think that the, it has to come from the consumer demanding, uh, Demanding ingredients on the back label, demanding organic grapes, demanding that there's demanding there's no Roundup in their wines. You know they need to be demanding all of these things, uh, and then the farmers and the wineries will come around to that. Uh, in terms of uh, our back label and ingredient labeling, um, 
I remember, and the distributor will go unnamed, but we were sort of unveiling this over about 10 years ago and showing them the, the product. And he says, you can't tell people that there's bacteria in your wine. They're not going to buy it. Uh, and we said, no, we have more faith in our consumer. We, I think we're, they're going to understand what malolactic bacteria is. And I thought, I'm, we're not worried about it. But um, there was really zero backlash to, to our label. But it, th th I think the interesting thing about this, Toby, is that we were hoping to be a leader in this and see more wineries follow. And it's sort of been a limited number that have followed along. Uh, we never expected every winery to follow along, but it, it, it's still a limited number of people that, that are putting ingredients on their back labels. And it's, um, but that's not a reason to stop doing it, right? But we're gonna continue to do it because we think our consumers wanna see it. And I think it's also a message about you know, our winemaking and our traditional pre-industrial pros that we, you know, we're not using additives in the making of wine. So I think it's an important part of our overall message. But, um, but you, we understand it's a difficult thing. I, I, you know, large wineries can't do this. They have a lot of different batches and, the, and their wines change from bottling to bottling. It'd be unbelievably complicated for them to do it. But we still feel like we would like to hope to see more high quality, smaller wineries follow, follow along because I think that this is a, a great message to, to consumers. Thanks very much. Katie, let me bring you in here. I mean, you're, you represent the largest producer on this panel and one of the largest in the US. So you must have a lot of that data that Peter was talking about. Um, really curious to hear your, 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 your views on what you've heard. And then perhaps we can turn to, to Beth and then to Eduardo for comment. I guess um, <clears throat> one thing that uh, we do that um, I wanted to share um, in order to get more um, growers into the sustainable um, certification um, model is um, we're currently <clears throat> paying a price premium um, for certified sustainable fruit. Um, and we've also um, held workshops to kind of help our growers understand what these programs um, entail because they can be complicated to get into um, at the start and it can be intimidating. So um, we've partnered with some of our um, certification programs to, to help um, educate um, our growers on, on that. And I think it's really important, um, especially for larger wineries to, to really um, put their money where their mouth is and support growers that are going to be doing this because um, a lot of growers are, especially here um, in Sonoma County, um, where we're based, um, I think it's about 80% of, um, of our growers here are uh, 40 acres or less. And so um, it can be um, difficult um, initially to, to make the investment. Um, I think once they're in the program, it's easy to, easier to maintain it, but um, that's one thing that we do. Um, the other thing that I um, am in full agreement on um, that uh, I heard um, David um, and Peter talking about is the need to educate our consumers. Um, and I think that um, a lot of consumers up until recently um, valued sustainability and um, environmental programs and um, they were willing to, to make a purchase, um, all else being equal, um, price and quality um, being equal, but um, they weren't willing to pay more um, for sustainably um, grown or made wines. Um, and I think that what we're seeing now um, is that's changing, as, especially among the younger generations um, of wine consumers. So, um, but I think it's, it's because it's been an educational process. And, um, and I think we need to continue to really drive home how important um, all of these 
issues are um, and um, really tie those together to people's concern about climate change. And um, I think people are willing to, to make a purchase uh, in support of their values now. Um, but um, if we can band together and really educate the consumer more, I think that will be really valuable, especially for smaller um, wine producers who um, need that support. Thank you. Uh, Beth, I'm sure you have something you'd like to, to add to this. And then we'll come to Eduardo. So in terms of growers, so we have our own estate here. We're, we're 45 acres uh, total of about, of which 37 and a half are planted. So we don't sell our grapes. We use them all ourselves, but we are, we are one of those small growers. For, so for our Spotswood Estate Cabernet Sauvignon, that comes entirely from our estate. We do buy outside fruit for our Sauvignon Blanc uh, and uh, in both Napa and Sonoma counties at Napa Valley, actually, on Sonoma Mountain, and then uh, also some outside fruit for our Lindenhurst, which is our Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon. And all of these are, I mean, our spots with Cabernet in a good year is 4,000 cases a total. Uh, our Sauvignon Blanc is roughly 3,800 cases, and our uh, Lindenhurst is roughly 2,000 to 3,000 cases, depending on the year. So we're, we're quite small uh, and hopefully trying to punch above our weight in terms of, of getting information out and, and what we do. Um, we too, uh, to what Katie was just speaking to, we have incentivized our growers to go organic. So not only with a sort of a, if they decide to do so, helping them right up front with some of the fees uh, in terms of a financial uh, offering, but also our expertise, Aaron Weinkoff, who is our vineyard manager and winemaker, has deep knowledge on organics and works closely with our growers and is happy to work with them and help them transition over, and then also a premium on a per ton basis. So again, around our desire to uh, inspire change, uh, we, we want our growers to grow that way. And, and to us, uh, speaking to what you said, David, I do think people wanna know that because when we're talking about spots, but I know it's organic, the question can, can and should naturally come up, well, what about your Sauvignon Blanc? What about your, what about your Lindenhurst? Are those also, those wines also made from organically grown grapes? And, we need to be able to say yes. And so we're, we're working hard on that and that we view um, as, as a great opportunity, again, to keep spreading the word. Um, I don't know the name of that book that you just mentioned that, uh, that David Montgomery wrote, but I, I will find it when we're done with this. I have just watched Kiss the Ground. I don't know if you've all seen that, but speaking of topsoil and what we need to do, I thought that was fascinating. And also uh, a book I just got done um, reading is Under the Sky We Make, which is absolutely remarkable and really speaks to our need to act here in this decade that we have an opportunity. This woman actually, Katie, you'll be interested, was raised in the town of Sonoma. Um, she's a PhD and is now living in Sweden, but she wrote this remarkable book, Kimberly, I have to think of her last name, I'm so pathetic sometimes, um, Kimberly Nicholas. And uh, again, Under the Sky We Make, and she speaks very poignantly and very well to, to what, what we need to do. And, and what it really comes down to is we need to fly less, we need to drive less, and we need to eat less meat. There's more than that that we need to do, but if those of us in our, in our realm who have the ability to fly to make these decisions, we can choose to fly or not to fly, we can choose to drive or not to drive, uh, we can choose to eat meat or not to eat meat. We really can, can move the needle. So again, in trying to stick with, um, this this notion of not being cynical and just digging in and saying this decade you know is 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 a is we're, we're all fortunate to be here because it's very consequential decade and, and we can make a difference 
Thank you very much. Eduardo, uh, what are your thoughts and reflections on all of this? Uh, we're going to need to close in a minute. Uh, you're on mute at the moment, Eduardo, but uh, let me give, give you the closing statement before we have to finish off this session. Okay. Well, thank you very much. It's been very, very interesting to hear everyone's opinion. And I'm delighted to hear that this theme, I mean, that, that, that the subject is really taken very seriously in North America and, and elsewhere. I think the key element for me is that sustainability is not optional today. I think it's a must. It's a must that has to be embodied, has to be taken seriously as we and, and the leading companies need to take a strong step ahead in doing it. And I think I'm, that's why I'm very happy to hear that uh, this, the five uh, members' opinions. In Chile, uh, I mean, we as a company, of course, we do what we can do in, the, in terms of having uh, by dynamic farming or, or organic farming or more sustainable, I think is the word that is really happening in Chile. And as I said before, having a national code is key. Chile exports to more than 100 countries around the world. Our industry is strongly supported by our development in exports. And having the, the sustainability is a strong pillar for our industry and for our image. So I'm very happy to see that every year we have more and more growth. As I said before, 80% of total exports are today under the sustainable country code. So I'm on a positive uh, mood. I have positive perspective. Chilean wines, fine Chilean wines have this uh, sensibility and have this commitment to become uh, sustainable and to, uh, to embrace sustainable stronger and stronger. So uh, uh, we are working and it's work in progress, as I said, but, but it's a must. And I think that has to be, I think, a key message out of, of, of I think, this discussion. Thank you. And um, the work being done in places like Chile is really helpful in informing us all on how we can uh, how we can place a, a country and its products at the forefront of sustainability and, you know, inspire consumers and others to take the lead. I mean, New Zealand is doing this. I know there's a lot of great work done in Chile and elsewhere, and it's really wonderful to see. Well, thank you all so much for your contributions. Uh, we have to end this panel here, but thanks uh, to you and the audience for your great comments and questions. Um, we know it's a fairly broad subject, um, but I think you've covered a lot of what we wanted to hear. So thank you very much. Thank you.